This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Getting a little bit of feedback here. It's wonderful to be with you today from 6 to 8 on the radio, continuing on on YouTube on the Santita Jackson Show. The Santita Jackson Show, that's my YouTube channel. And Santita Jackson and Friends, that is my Facebook page. Everybody, I am joining you from WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Wonderful to be with you today. We are in the thick of the Chicago mayoral season. Early voting started last week, January uh, 26th. So everybody get ready, go on and get out there and vote. It's of tremendous consequence. And we're using today, we're going to be going to the major issues in this race. And today we're going to start with crime. Uh, at least the corporate media, as they're framing this election, they're saying that crime is the number one issue. Uh, and that has as a backdrop an economy where people are struggling. Sure, there are jobs out here, but people, something happened during COVID. People are not going back to be mistreated on their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, people are making more money, but the money does not go as far. Most people who work in American Cities cannot afford to rent in American cities, the cities in which they work. Not a lot going on, and yet, uh, at least the corporate media, as they're framing it, and I want to know if it's, is, it, is it the corporate media or is it you, would you frame uh, the most important issue facing you is crime? Is it the economy? Is it some combination? Is it, I mean, what is it? What is it? Talk to me. Call me at 773 763 Four six seven three seven seven three seven six three four six seven three. Let's talk about this today with the backdrop of what is still an ongoing story in Memphis. Uh, the 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 organizers on the ground and the the activists are identifying for themselves the people who were involved in the killing of Tyree Nichols, and they're the ones for putting forth the Preston Hemphills and the other people who have been fired, the three EMTs who've been fired. Oh, no, this is not what the what the police have done. This is what the people have done. So we've got a lot to talk about today. On Monday, February 6th, coming up on Saturday at the New Beginnings Church on 67th and Cottage Grove. Push will be having in coordination with uh, with NBC and, of course, hosted by Pastor Corey Brooks, who will be with us in just a couple of minutes. A mayoral forum, and it will be it will be a people's forum. The questions that you 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 want to have asked, we will be putting your issues forward. That's what Rainbow Push will be doing. It will start at ten o'clock, and so get on over there, everybody. We want to see you. Hey, Max Myrick from Washington D.C. and all of you from Los Angeles and Philly and New York City and D.C. All over the country. Everybody like and share the show now. Like and share the show. Like and share the show. We will have a high, can you believe it, of 41 degrees. It'll feel like spring in Chicago, but it will be cloudy. 37 degrees in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Rain and snow in the NBA. The Timberwolves won 28. The Nuggets 98. The Spurs will be playing the Bulls tonight. And tonight, the Wild will be playing the Coyote in the NHL. And the Ducks will be playing Chicago, but that's tomorrow. Congratulations are in order for Beyonce Knowles, Carter. 
who, uh, after winning her 33rd Grammy, is the winningest Grammy artist in the history of the Grammys. She's won more than Aretha, than Roberta, than, than Nancy Wilson, than, than Gladys Knight, than Michael Jackson. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations to her, everybody. So let's get to some of these headlines. Rita Jackson show. There was a terrible earthquake, everybody, over in Turkey and Syria. More than 1,500 people were killed today after a powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake struck the region. It's the strongest earthquake the country has experienced in more than 100 years. The U.S. military shot down a suspected Chinese spy balloon on Saturday after it drifted off the East Coast near the Carolinas, according to the Pentagon. New video show the moment a missile fired by a U.S. fighter jet hits the balloon and what appears to be surveillance equipment dropping into the Atlantic Ocean. Many Republicans have complained that President Biden waited too long. Now, mind you, this happened three times during the Trump administration, and they didn't touch the balloons. Keep that in mind, everybody. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. I'm so excited to have this gentleman with us today. He will be hosting at his fabulous church. It's a wonderful church that serves our community. You know him as the rooftop pastor, and I know him as one of the pastors that I've adopted for myself, Pastor Corey Brooks. Uh, from New Beginnings Church. If you want a new beginning, go to his church on Saturday at 10 o'clock. Get there a little early. We will be, he is hosting us as we have the People's Forum with Rainbow Push and, um, and NBC. It's going to be a great, 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 uh, great forum. And we're so excited that you are hosting us and that you're going to give us the good news this morning. Pastor Brooks. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be on your show and I'm grateful to be able to host the uh, the People's Forum uh, for the Mayoral Race of Chicago. Well, it's fitting with your uh, with your ministry, of course. We can never forget all that you have done to amplify uh, not just the Inglewood community, not just you know where you are. You have just amplified the plight of the poor, the plight of those who are struggling um, in you know in this country not just in Chicago, we thank God for you, just putting your body and your life at risk to do that. You are truly a man of God. Thank you, Pastor Corey Brooks. So what's the good thank news? Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what you got good for us today? Well, you know, oftentimes, uh, even you called me by my nickname, uh, that a lot of people call me. Most people call me the rooftop pastor, and a lot of people who hear that, they have no idea why. I'm called the rooftop pastor because 10 years ago, uh, in 2011, a little over 10 years ago, in November the 20th, I went up on top of a roof of a motel uh, where it was drug-infested, prostitution. Um, it was just a place of ill repute, and it was really damaging to our community. And I decided to go up on the roof of that motel and stay there until I raised enough money uh, to purchase it and then tear it down and to build a community center. Uh, we were able to do that, and it was it took us 94 days of staying on that roof from November the 20th to February 24th. Uh, Reverend Jackson came to see me. Al Sharpton came to see me. Hermine Hartman and Tavis, Bishop Tavis Grant. I remember being in... Uh, 
Pastor James Meeks, all of them came to see me uh, on the 25th day while I was in that tent uh, to encourage me. And while I was in that tent those those 94 days, uh, I wrote uh, every day a journal, and I wrote some rooftop revelations. And I called them rooftop revelations because I felt that they were inspirational writings that I was getting from the Lord while I was on this roof and that I would use them later on to encourage people. So for just a little time that I have given to me this morning, I just want to give you a few revelations that I believe uh, will help you get through any and every situation. There may be some people who are listening today and feel like they just need to go forward in life and feel like maybe things are, are stuttered and things are just sputtered and they're not going as fast as they can. And they're wondering how they're going to accomplish their dream, their vision, their aspirations. And so these rooftop revelations are for those individuals this morning. I remember writing um, every day in the journal. And one of the days I wrote this scripture, Hebrews eleven six. no one can please God without faith for whoever comes to God must have faith that God exists and rewards those who seek him. And I wrote in that journal that day that, you know, you have to learn how to please God and not please people. And all the time it's people who want you to please them and want you to go in the direction that they want you to go, want you to do the things that they want you to do, want you to say the things that you they want you to say. But I've discovered that a lot of times when you do those things that people want you to do, you end up not pleasing God. And I decided that whatever I do for the rest of my life, I want to please God. And I want to do that because when I take my last breath, as I'm sure when your listeners take their last breath and close their eyes for the last time, they want to stand before the Lord and they want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. So every day I wrote in my journal and I remember day one writing this about faith and writing this about expectation. God, I don't know what to expect, but one thing I do know is that I want to please you. I want to please you more than anything. I've lived without an earthly father, always trying to please him, even though he was never there. How much more do I want to please you? Because pleasing you is what I really want to do. This experience on this rooftop, no matter how long it takes, I'm expecting for you to be there. I'm expecting for you to show up. I'm expecting for you to bless. So this experience is not about me. It's all about you. And so I walked away with some principles, a hundred principles from that rooftop. And one of the principles that I learned uh, from this rooftop experience is one, that you have to learn how to believe even when you can't see it. There are going to be times in life when you just have to believe you you, you can't see it. it. It's not you can't really put your hand on it, but you have to believe that it can be done. You've got to visualize your future in advance. Every great achievement began when somebody saw it in advance. Nothing happens in life until somebody believes it's possible. The world says seeing is believing, but God says believing is seeing. So you have to believe even when you can't see it. Another principle that I learned is that you have to obey even when you don't understand. I discovered that sometimes God will tell you to do some things and you really don't understand and pleasing him is wrapped up in your ability to obey him. And if we can learn to obey him and move when he says move and run when he says run and transition when he says transition, our lives will be so much more blessed because it's 
better to please God and be obedient to God than to anyone else. I wrote this on day three of my journal. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Never rely on what you think you know. God, these last two nights have been different than what I could have ever imagined. It's cold, it's windy, it's raining, but I don't know. I know you told me to be here. So pleasing you and obeying you is what I'm going to do. Take care of me. Shelter me from the bad weather. Hold back the storms. I'm going to obey you even if a blizzard comes. And if I obey you, please move on my behalf. Because, God, I realize obedience is better than sacrifice. So you have to believe even when you can't see it. You have to obey even when you don't understand. And then the last thing I want to tell you is that when you're trying to accomplish something, you got to learn how to thank God before you receive it. Before you receive it, you got to give God praise. Before you receive it, you got to give God thanks. See, faith is knowing what He's doing. It He's doing, knowing that He's already doing it, knowing that the answer is already on the way. I wrote this on day ninety-two of my journal. Lord, I don't know what, but I have a sense of expectation. I believe that it won't be long before you get me off this roof. You know the place I need to be because you, Father, opened the doors for me to be there. So I want to thank you in advance for what I know you're going to do. Right now, God, I'm going to take a moment and praise you and thank you in this tent all by myself. That was day 92. Day 94, I got a phone call from a radio station with Tyler Perry and Tom Joyner. And Ty Perry said, is this the crazy man on the rooftop? I said, yes. He said, well, listen, how much more do you need to come off that roof? And I told him we need $100,000. And sure enough, Tyler Perry, on that day, the same day he was writing a movie called, putting out a movie called Good Deeds, he not only gave us the $100,000, but he gave me the motorcycle from the movie. A lot of people will say, Yeah, that's awesome. That's wonderful on day 94. But what they forget is on day 92, I was thanking God in advance. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're experiencing in your life. I don't know what you're up against. But you just take a moment this morning and begin to thank God for everything that's going on, for your family, for your friends, for situations that are beyond your control. I believe that God will do something amazing in your life. So today, don't forget to obey when you don't understand, believe even when you don't see it, and thank God before you receive it. God bless you. Pastor Corey Brooks, the rooftop pastor. Now you understand how he was able to stay on that roof when, America, when Chicago was giving him the worst weather that he could give. But you know what? He got our attention. And more than that, the people who was trying to shine a light got our attention. And we thank God for you, Pastor Corey Brooks. Thank you for ministering to me this morning. Thank God already for all that God has done and is doing. God is not being unkind to you. God is shaping you. And I thank you for that, Pastor Brooks. Thank you so much for all the work that you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wasn't that a blessing this morning? We will be with Pastor Brooks. He is hosting Rainbow Push in NBC on Saturday as we have the people's, the people's debate with the mayoral candidate. Cannot wait to hear what he's got to say. Love you so much, Pastor Brooks. My love to the First Lady, Delilah, and your beautiful family. God bless you. 
we've got Dr. Shanita Knight and someone who I want to bring to your church, Pastor Brooks, one of the few infection preventionists in the country and the world. And indeed, I want to ask you just very quickly, what is the tridemic? You know, I read your social media feed at Hey Dr. Nina um, faithfully. What is the tridemic, Dr. Knighton? Hi. So the tridemic is a term for the fact that right now we are being plagued with more than one illness, um, uh, I would say uh, increase in numbers than what is over, more than what's expected. So, for example, right now we have a increase in flu, we have an increase in RSV, and we have an increase in COVID numbers, and all of these things are happening at the same time. As a result of them happening at the same time, we may look at those individually and say, oh, well, these aren't bad. However, the problem is, is when you have the unintended consequences, such as hospitalizations, um, let's say pneumonia and other things that might be associated with each of these, that complicates the situation. And so when you're seeing a lot of children that are in hospitals now because they have these illnesses, you don't think about the fact that, hey, we're thinking about them separately, but the fact that they can all occur together. So we don't think about, I can have COVID, flu, and RSV at the same time. So that right there in itself naturally is going to give someone um, a more difficult time of being able to get better. Mm. So what do you do? Well, <laughs> how do you find out if you've got all these at the same time? And, and do you treat them separately? Do you treat them together? I mean, what should you be asking of your doctor if you find out that you've got all, if, if, you, if you've been hit by the trifecta? I've got about a minute and a half. So, for one, it's not necessarily always just, let's say, going to the doctor when you get it. Um, some of these things show up, and I can imagine that they are unanticipated as parents are at home taking care of their children, thinking it's a common cold and, and thinking about the fact that things are getting worse, um, especially for older adults as well. So when things like this happen, the most important thing is to pay attention to your symptoms. And if something seems off, if you know that you're struggling to breathe, if you know that, you know, something is feeling threatening to your health, then you need to go in. And so it's not a matter of um, getting to the doctor and saying, what should I do? It's being able to recognize symptoms and being able to seek treatment as quickly as possible. If you are an adult and let's say just up under any circumstance, we should have some sort of medical information that's on a refrigerator or somewhere that's accessible so that way we can refer others to it when we may be in times of distress because oftentimes we are not sure what to do for people. So if you know that you're being secretive about your health, so let's say you're taking diabetes medications and maybe you're having, let's say, some sort of sugar issue, you want to at least have that information accessible because oftentimes when people make it to the doctor, 
they don't have a list available of the medications that they're taking, if let's say stress happened in life and you did not take your medications like you were supposed to, that could be the very thing that you need in your system to be able to save you, but people don't know. And so I think it's just good practices for us to think through what are some preventative measures we can take to bring others into our health scenarios should we ever be in a time of where we need medical treatment and someone to advocate for us. Dr. Shanina Knight and everybody, hey, Dr. Nina, that is her handle. Go on and join her so you can get all of these issues front of mind. Let's talk about the Chicago mayoral election. It's getting hot. It's February 28th. Early voting has started. Have you voted? And what about a law and order candidate? After Memphis, back with more of the same Tita Jackson show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about the mayoral election. We're going to be walking through the big issues of this election as we move forward February 28th, which is when you have the election. If None of the nine candidates reach the 50% threshold. We will have a runoff on April 4th. Uh, people are expecting there to be a runoff, but you, one never knows. Polling, uh, the mayor's polling shows her ahead. Uh, other polls show Paul Vallis ahead with Brandon Johnson and Congressman Garcia surging. Who knows what it is? You know who it is. And so we want to talk about that today, particularly with respect to crime. We're going to look at the big issues, and today we're looking at crime. The corporate media, at least, have said that the number one issue on the minds of Chicagoans is crime. Is that true? Um, and if so, why? Is it, uh, is it something else? Uh, and what do you need these candidates to propose and promise you that they will do about crime? Hmm. Particularly when we have as a backdrop Memphis, Tennessee, and the continual really, it's really scandalous what has happened. Um, it has not been the police who put forth the first police officer to encounter uh, Tyree Nichols. That was activists and, and, and organizers on the ground who examined the tape and put Preston Hemphill forward. That was not the chief of police, that was not first staff. Support staff. No, 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 no. So the police didn't do that. So, you know, just tell me, you know, what's, I mean, and now we're finding more and more people as they continue to yank this string more and more, mess keeps coming out. But it's the people who are doing it, not the police. <laughs> so we need to talk about that while we have two of the most prominent people who are running for office running on law and order. Indeed, Paul Ballas, I just found out was endorsed by Richard Hagen, one of the officers involved in the Laquan McDonald killing. He was part of the settlement. So what do you think about that? Call me at 773-763-9278. Call me, call me, call me, call me. There's so many shows going on and so many numbers in my head. Oh, I almost give you all the wrong ones, but... 
let's talk about this, everybody. Let's talk about this on the Santita Jackson Show. But first, Chappelle has got a big event coming up at the beginning of March, and she needs your support. Chappelle, what's going on? Yes, Santita, and thank you so much. Uh, yes, you know, everyone knows that I lost my son, Courtney, of almost seven years ago, March 4th, 2016. And what we are doing at the Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation is we're having our annual gala on March 3rd, 2023 at the JLM Community Center. And this uh, fundraiser is basically to continue the efforts that Courtney was doing when he was alive. He actually was uh, supporting uh, young folks to get them into school and to help uh, single mothers and to do a lot of the community service work. And we have turned our pain into a purpose to continue the efforts after his death. And so we're asking everyone to come out and support this beautiful foundation and help us to raise money for college uh, scholarships, as well as also our annual book bag giveaway and our um, annual uh, toy giveaway. So give us a call at 708-628-7734 or visit us at www.copelandmemorial.com and purchase your tickets for this gala. It's going to be fabulous. A lot of uh, fun music and dancing, and we look forward to seeing everyone there. Thank you so much, Santita. Oh, blessings to you. Of course, she has celebrations by us, 708-526-4536, but she needs support uh, for the foundation and this gala. So please, everybody, get on out and be supportive. Let's talk about this mayoral race. It is it's right here. You know, I almost... It's almost ran by me. I thought it was going to be in April. No, it's in February. You know, the reason I thought it was going to be in April, everybody, is because we have been coming through this primary season that would not end until December. I said, I can't even take my breath. Two months later, you've got the mayoral race in Chicago, the mayoral race in Chicago. Yeah, we got that right now. And so that's on February 28th. No one reaches the 50% threshold. Well, then we'll have a runoff, the top two candidates. Who will win on the 28th? Who might be in the runoff? And, hmm, what's the winning issue? The corporate media has been saying they've been framing it this way. They said, look, the number one issue for Chicagoans is crime. And we're hearing that all over the country. I don't know, want to know what your thoughts are. We've got a tremendous panel. We've got Reverend Jeanette Wilson, of course. She is part of the team that will be helming this debate that we will be having at New Beginning Church. We just had Pastor Corey Brooks on, uh, giving us the good news and what good news he delivered today. Uh, that's on Saturday at 10 a.m. It's the People's Forum. Rainbow Push NBC will be hosted by Pastor Corey, Corey Brooks at uh, it's really, it's between 66th and 67th on Cottage Road. You really need to be there uh, because the questions, these questions will be coming from you. We're going to reframe this, this debate, this discussion. So we want you to call Rainbow Push at 773-FREEDOM for more information or go to rainbowpush.org. But uh, let me start, uh, well, let me start with Kevin Lampy. Kevin, uh, frame this uh, this race force, particularly from the vantage point, you're going to be walking through all of the big issues with us as we go forward in the next uh, few weeks. But today we're starting with crime because corporate media has said crime is the issue. That is what is that is what has got 
people most concerned. And I have to tell you, when I go do some things on the north side, and quite frankly, in predominantly white neighborhoods, that's what they're talking about. And when I am on the south side and west side, yeah, we talk about crime, we talk about the economy, and we also talk about these guns that are loaded that you find every place. But I mean, it's just that there's a lot that there, you know, that um, that's going on in our minds. But you know, when I go to the white community, all we talk about is crime. That's it. That's it. That's it. So you tell me, and particularly, um, you know, Paul Vallis, who who has gotten help in his mayoral bid from Richard Hagen, one of the cops involved in the Laquan McDonald scandal. In fact, he was part of um, the lawsuit. You know, more than five million dollars was paid out uh, about the over the death of this boy. So, talk to me. What are your thoughts? It is the, clearly the the media has focused this race on crime, crime, and then more crime, and then the candidates have then taken that and run with it. It's always the challenge in the campaign: is it is it really about crime, or is the media just reflecting what they're hearing, or are the public just reflecting what the media is telling them about this? You see, with with Paul Vallis, though, with this. Uh, him accepting the support of, of one of the officers from the Laquan McDonald situation is just, it, it shows once again that Paul Ballas is simply engaged in dog whistle racist politics where he is using crime. And, and I heard somebody the other day say this, and I thought this said it wonderfully, that too often the, these 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 leaders who are running for mayor right now, they're just looking for a way to arrest ourselves out of a problem, and that's not the solution. We need to look at what the solution, where does crime come from, what should we be doing about economic development, about educational opportunities, and not just focusing on throwing more police at a problem. Let's throw more education at the problem. Let's throw more mental health services at the problem. Let's throw some support for people who are at this problem, and then maybe we can solve the problem. Instead of uh, candidates out there who just think it's all about police power, power and police policing, and it's not about uh, education or economic development. Mm. Jeanette Wilson, your thoughts? Is crime the number one issue? I don't think crime is the number one issue uh, in in the in the black community. It is the number one problem that is not being addressed. And what what we find is in many of the uh, communities where you have high instances of violence, there's a low uh, low investment in those communities. Financial investment, jobs are not uh, readily available. And if you look at the parks and the places where and the schools, children are not fully engaged in positive uh, activities. When I grew up, I could skate at my neighborhood school in the wintertime. They froze the playground. We learned to ice skate at a public school. And so today the parks are shut down or there are places for seniors to go sometimes and play cards, but they're not open and fully engaging uh, the children and the teenagers that live there. And so there's been limited uh, investment. And so I would think the mayors would have to not just, mayors have the power to appoint the police chief. They do not have the control really over the rank and file because they're in the union. The FOP controls the behavior and culture of police departments all across America, and nobody wants to deal with that. 
the city council and the mayor have to work together to negotiate different contracts with the FOP that protect citizens, but also protect the due process rights of police officers. And so it's not just crime alone. If you hire uh, 10,000 more police in Chicago, it will not change, in my opinion, the condition in, uh, of crime. You have to deal with what is causing these guns to flow into the city. We don't manufacture guns in Chicago. How are they getting in the hands of children? Somebody please explain that to me. They're given to them. So who's giving it to them? You have to trace the flow, trace the guns. And, and you know, Reverend Jackson's been calling for uh, registration of guns, um, registration of bullets. We have to trace these guns back to the source. How can parents buy guns and they not be caught, uh, charged with a crime? So if you really want to look at this, we have to look at, multiple layers of factors. What's happening in these schools? They close at 3 o'clock, and for high schools, uh, you have early days because it's convenient for teachers. It's not necessarily practical for children who don't have after-school activities to positively engage them. So it's all of this stuff. And I think that we, we're being duped by the media. They are trying to decide on what is the most important issue in this election? And they just keep saying it's crime. Well, no, 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 no. There are a lot of other issues. What's the employment rate in, in the nine most violent communities in Chicago? What, what, what is the educational rate in those communities? Why, why doesn't the media talk about some other issues? What about the health care? How these safety net hospitals, uh, you have to go from Roseland to the University of Chicago if you are pregnant and go into labor because there, there are no maternity uh, awards in between. So those, those are things I think. It's not just... No, no, I, no, no I'm hearing you. I, because, I, you know, I've said to many of my liberal friends and progressive friends, white progressives, white liberals, I'm like, please do not give me these tired jokes about crime. Mm-hmm. If you go into my community where I live... I know that I don't have Northwestern. Now, mind you, I live by the, I live at the University of Chicago. Okay, so I've got that. Okay, but mm-hmm. that's not in Roseland. Okay, Mm-mm. it's not on the west side. It's not where we live. Are you serious right now? This is, I mean, and that's why I said the corporate media is white. The corporate media are framing this discussion. And so, and then you have the candidates responding to it. I was talking to Kevin Lampy last night. I'm like, is there any data on this? He said, it is hard to find. I mean, so talk to me. I was looking, I was looking this morning. And, and uh, so I think that uh, who owns the newspapers now? Who controls these media images? It's not black people. You don't even have a major. It's not just black people, because you've got black people who, who are to the right of Attila the Hun, too. It's not progressives. <laughs> it's, it's a viewpoint. Increasingly, we're seeing black people are in black places or in high places, and sometimes they make a difference, sometimes they do not. And I'm just saying. That what I'm saying is, remember, Santi, you remember when we had fairness in the media? Who owns yeah. the media now? It is now owned by these uh, extremely rich people, very wealthy, and they decide. Okay. I'm hearing you, but what I'm simply saying is they're trading out white people for black people now who are very wealthy, at least on paper. And they are, and, and there's so much mess that you can do under the cover of darkness. 
with an oppressed person, right, at the helm. I am like, I'm tired of that. I want them to make some good sense running these newspapers, running these radio stations. I mean, goodness gracious, at least we own Jet Magazine. Now they're gone. Everybody's gone. And these other people cut deals with big white companies, and they and they better not, not to line. Dwight McKee, your thought about crime and Chicago and this mayoral race, is that the number one issue to you? Or what you from what you're hearing from people? Um, I agree with Jeanette. I think she hit most of the the, the the boxes, but I just add one other component to it that's really not, I think, not being addressed. I think that the police are complicit in, in the sense that they have, have a de facto uh, strike on de facto strike, and if they don't themselves participate in solving crimes, because in their quest to get control of the city and of these union contracts, they are trying to position certain politicians to become the new mayor so that they can have carte blanche like they used to have. And so they no longer really participate in trying to solve crime. And they kind of sit on the corner and watch these uh these guys uh marauder through the neighborhood without uh, uh, approaching them and uh and dealing with them i mean how do you have thirteen fourteen fifteen carjackings in a eight eight block radius in two or three hours and you not be able to identify those cars? and arrest those people. And so I think it's part crime, I think it's part conspiracy of the police and the media because I think they're more comfortable with certain kinds of mayors and they are strategically trying to position though they are candidates by not resolving, not solving issues. Of course, most of, in the black community, the problem is the tale of two cities. It is the imbalance of resources and investment and the disinvestment in the minority communities in behalf of the majority communities who get all of the money, all of the resources, all the investments. Because I think they really want to, the, the goal is to turn the city more into a more cosmopolitan uh international uh, Republican white city. I think this has been the goal for the last 20 years. I think Emmanuel personified that more than any single person. And if they would rather the city be about 60% white, 70% white like it used to be. And so there's a calculated effort in the disinvestment to drive blacks uh, out of the city and, and and reinvest the city with young white people from the suburbs and uh, some other minorities and international people like the Ukrainians. I think that's part of the strategy. And if you look at some of the, the long-range plans for in, in research plans in places like the University of Chicago, they've kind of pencil that in 
as a long-range strategy for them because that's their constituency and that's their base. Mm, everybody, I want you to call me at 773-763-WCPT, 773-763-9278. What are your thoughts? Renee Criswell, Renee, I wish you'd call in, but let me read your comment. In my North Lawndale community, we don't have a grocery store, which means we don't have the jobs that go with having a grocery store. Having gainful employment reduces crime. By the way, I'm just as concerned about what the criminal element in the police force around here might do and I am of other criminals. Yeah, look, yeah, I got you, girl. I got you. You said yeah, you're proofreading because you are a teacher, and that's, I got you, Renee, but we got your point. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, because we've got this, I mean, wh- what do you make, Dwight, real quick, what do you make of Richard Hagen's endorsement of Paul Vallis? And, of course, he was at the center of this. He was one of the police officers at the center of Laquan McDonald. Um Scandal. Oh, I'm not at all surprised about that. And I see where McQuan's uh, 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 uncle, Reverend Hunters, made a press conference today to denounce that, that he's insulted by that. I'm not surprised with Paul Vallis at all because he is fundamentally a right wing Republican Trumpist kind of guy. And that his 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 base is the police department, and I think he also co-signed on the philosophy of crackdown in arrest and the crackdown of imprisonment is the answer. I don't think I think that's part of his his approach to education uh, reflected that, and so I'm not surprised at all that he accepted the contribution because he's endorsed by the FOP. Hmm. Kevin Lampy, are you surprised? No, sadly, I'm not surprised at this. Paul Vallis has taken the, the route that many politicians take. We're just going to scare everybody into in voting for them. We're, we're going to paint a picture of uh, that society is terrible, and I'm the only savior that can come in and fix it. Uh, we saw a president get elected on that. And so it is very frustrating when we have uh, the worst elements in our police force and, and that, that Paul Ballas is celebrating. And it is, it's, it's just heartbreaking to, to see this and, and frustrating and to, to see that Paul Ballas's solution is just to arrest ourselves out of this problem. He talks nothing about what needs to be done for education, economic development, but we do know his track record. He would rather see education all go to charter schools and the privatization of education, um, which further is a hindrance on our society. Hmm. Reverend Wilson, I got about a minute and a half before I go to break. Are you surprised by this endorsement? No, I'm not surprised. Many candidates will accept endorsements and money and support from anyone so long as they can win. And I think we got to look beyond personalities to what policies will result from the election of this person or that, or that person. We really have to be focused because you have to understand the mayor's power and the mayor's limitations for that office. mayor has the power to appoint a cabinet similar to the president. There are some checks and balances on the mayor from the city council. And we've had a city council 
members who would approve uh, contracts and approve payments for uh, police misconduct without moving forward to put in place anything to challenge uh, the police authority. To, very few of them went to Springfield lobbying uh, the, the uh, state elected officials to deal with uh, police immunity, qualified immunity. And so as we look at electing people, this is perhaps the most critical election of our time uh, for many of us. And so we've got to really focus on what policies will any one of these people initiate what will our neighborhoods, our city look like if X, Y, or Z are elected? It's not just about rhetoric. It is really about what what can they do, what will they do, and what have they done in the past. Hey, everybody. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. What is the big issue for you in this election, what are the big issues for you? I mean, you have the corporate media pushing crime, crime, crime. They're not looking at uh, how the black communities have been starved and are being starved on the south and west side of Chicago. Starved. Starved for grocery stores. You've got food deserts. Starved for jobs. You've got this hemorrhaging of the black community out of Chicago. More than between 200 and 300,000 of us have been pushed out of town. And white, black, brown, yellow, or red, guess what? If you work a job, a wage job in, in Chicago and in the major cities of the country, you cannot afford to rent here. So let's talk about that. Because like I said, I hear one conversation when I'm on the Gold Coast, but when I'm on the Soul Coast, I hear something else. I want to hear from you. Hey, everybody, call us at 773-763-9278. Join us at the Rainbow Push People's Forum, the People's Debate with the Candidates. Now, we'll be asking these questions and so many more questions on Saturday at 10 o'clock at the New Beginnings Church. Pastor Corey Brooks is kind enough to host us. Between 66th and 67th on Cottage Grove, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Tuesday, it's Monday. I was about to say Tuesday. I'm jumping ahead, everybody. February 6th, 2023. I'm coming to you from WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice, of course, of Minnesota. I want you to meet my morning stars on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita Jackson and Friends. Page on Saturday, we will have the People's Forum. That's why the mayoral candidates will be meeting Rainbow Push in D.C. over at New Beginnings Church, Pastor Corey Brooks Church on Cottage Road, between 66th and 67th on Cottage Road. Beautiful church, beautiful, beautiful people in the church. And we are so excited that the rooftop pastor is going to be hosting us as we speak with the candidates and ask questions that you want to have asked and answered, okay? 
It's your, I mean, this is NBC is our partner, but we're doing the questioning. We're formulating the questions, so we want to talk with you about that today. And going towards February 28th, when we will have the vote for the mayor, and of course, early voting started on January 25th, so get out the vote if you can, um, we are going to uh, be walking through the big issues of the campaign on the Santita Jackson Show. Uh, with various panels. I want to hear from you. I want you to call us today as we talk about crime, because so much of this campaign is being driven by the corporate media who are to have told us that crime is the number one issue and the top tier candidates um, actually kind of hew to that. Isn't that interesting? I mean, really, the person who's really at the top of the heap is... Uh, Paul Vallis, who's been endorsed by the FOP, by Richard Hagen, one of the police officers involved in the Laquan McDonald uh, case and playing. It's really interesting how they shape the conversation. But you have the power to change all of that. That's what happened with Harold Washington when he won. Uh, of course, downtown was completely shook up, not shaken up. They were all shook up when Harold Washington won because they had completely missed the voter registration drive that was taking place in the black and brown community. They completely missed all of the activity that was happening on the south and west side. So get out there and surprise them, everybody. And you make up your mind about what is important today and for the future with respect to this campaign. All right, everybody, call me at 773 Joining Dwight McKee, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, and Kevin Lampy, Dr. Barr, Bob Starks, preeminent political scientist, social scientist, critic, and really has been an organizer for decades, and we're so honored that he's with us today. But let me go to some of these headlines in Chicago. We're going to have a high of 41 degrees. It will be cloudy, 37 degrees in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Rain and snow in the NBA. The Timberwolves, 128 to the Nuggets, 98. The Spurs will be playing the Bull tonight in the NHL. The Wild will be playing the Coyotes. And tomorrow night, the Ducks will be playing Chicago, everybody. Congratulations go to Beyonce. She is now the winningest recording artist in the history of the Grammys, having won 33 more than Michael Jackson, more than Arisa, more than Roberta, more than Gladys Knight, more than the Beatles, more than everybody. Wow. Oh, girl. (laughs) Everybody, let's get some of these headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. More than 1,500 people were killed in Turkey and Syria today after a powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake struck the region. It's the strongest earthquake the country has sustained in more than 100 years. The U.S. military shot down a suspected Chinese spy balloon on Saturday after it drifted off the East Coast near the Carolinas, according to the Pentagon, and much debris fell out of the balloon after uh, it was shot down. New video shows the moment a missile fired by a U.S. fighter jet hit the balloon and surveillance equipment, at least what appears to be surveillance equipment, falling out into the water. And so those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. I want to hear what your thoughts are, everybody, about this mayoral race. Call me. Text, well, call me or text us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Before I come to Dr. Bob Stark, let me go to Anita from South, from North Carolina. Excuse me, Anita, what's on your mind today? Good morning, Santita. Can you hear me? I sure can, and it's wonderful hearing your voice, Anita. 
Okay, hi. Um, you know, they have a lot of uh, universities in this area. Chapel, University of Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina, uh, Duke, NC State, and I don't know the African-American ones, what the name of the central. But anyway, they're doing a lot of development here, and they made the airport international. And there's lots of development. I, they put a whole city. I mean, they put so many apartments in one block here. I don't know what is going on. And before I left Illinois, after they ran my 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 congressman out of there and my governor, uh, they were doing the same thing there. And I'm like, who's living in this? We don't even have stable jobs in this country for people to even buy this type of property. So I don't know what is going on with corporate but uh, the taxes and things that they want for that, I'm like, who are they recruiting to come here to live? It's definitely not Americans because I don't feel like they're giving us salaries to match what these places are costing. And my my uh, my when I was married, my husband was ten years older than me, and he had gone to college and he had a decent wage, and with a family. More than two children, it's not enough, you know. So I'm like, what is going on? And that we were in the south suburbs, and Chicago affected everything that happened there. And even in the suburbs, everything was a, a quarter million dollars, and that's that was called the ghetto. I thought the quarter million dollar range. So I'm trying to figure out what is going on with corporate and this restructuring of moving people from one area to another and snatching money where people can't afford children and all these things, and then talking about crime and all of this mess, and then they're bringing foreigners here that's that's selling drugs and got all kind of things set up and sticking them all in the African-American communities and saying it's us. When people like my mom had bigger families and their goal was to send us to college, and they did. Mm -hmm. And we were working. Well, well, you know, it brings us around to the Chicago mayoral election. I mean, how just bring that all together for us? Okay. Hello? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. First of all, they were kicking people out of the city to rebuild and putting them in the south suburbs, which I thought was wrong. And my friend, Mayor Eric Kellogg, felt the pressure of that. Okay. And then um, Chicago mayors, I don't know what they were doing back then. Okay. Uh, And um, so they're doing all this just moving people back and forth and and they're not solving any problems. Then you talk about a university, but then you talk about poor people. Okay, but you're giving out the social worker degrees and the psychology degrees, and you can't figure out how to fix these people's families? But I'm supposed to invest in you for economic haven for you, for you to not know how to fix problems for everybody, but you're an educational unit giving out all these degrees. So I'm just really ticked at the immaturity of it. And then it falls on Reverend Jackson and his sons. And then they tell Reverend Jackson's son, oh, you don't have enough money and we're not going to give you any. And, and nobody in your neighborhood is, is, is wealthy enough to contribute to you so that you can really help the community. So you're there trying to help with nothing. You can't take your money and give to all those people. So, so I just think that I'm retarded so far. Okay, so you're looking at also, I mean, which goes to Reverend Jeanette Wilson's point about all of these, and, you know, I think when you talk to black and brown people, and black people in particular, uh, we don't just see crime 
as a, we don't have number one issues. We see issues in aggregate. Dwight McKee, Kevin Lampy, and and um, and Reverend Wilson. Starting with you, Dr. Bob Stark. I mean, the fact is, we have to have an integrated approach because our problems are all integrated, and we see how they're all interrelated. Dr. Starks, nothing happens in isolation. Nothing. Everything, you know, one thing feeds the other. You don't have a grocery store, that's some job. You closed a school, like Rahm Emanuel closed more than 50 schools. Those are jobs that, those are hundreds plus thousand dollar year jobs that those principals had. Those are gone. Nobody talked to them about losing their homes. Assistant principals, tenured teachers, and on and on and on and on, not to mention children who needed not 50 people in a classroom, but maybe 25. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is crime the number one issue? I mean, because the corporate media should have framed it, framed this campaign, and you have the candidates following suit. Well, first of all, let let me uh, thank you for having me on the show, Santita. But let me uh, just, first of all, answer one part of the question that was raised by a previous caller. And that is, remember, if we go back to 1969 with the Riot Commission report after the death of Dr. King, we we had a, a proposal in that report that said you've got to get black people out of the central cities. And, of course, Black, uh, you know, they did all kinds of things to get, you know, to get us out of the central city. And as your caller said, they sent us to the suburbs. Now we come to 2022, 2023, and we now see statistics are showing that African-Americans are leaving big cities and going to uh, southern areas, rural areas, etc., because it's too costly to live in big cities like Chicago, New York, uh, you know, Atlanta, etc. So that's one problem that we're having. And we have a depopulation of African-Americans in Chicago that we've got to address. But the main thing is that the people who are running for mayor of the city of Chicago, and in particular, people like Paul Vallis talk about crime, but nobody is talking about the causes of crime. And as you have stated, Sanchita and Reverend uh, Wilson has stated, the causes are poverty, neglect, disinvestment, etc. Nobody talks about those things. Why is it that we have this these all these problems and everybody's looking at the effects but nobody is looking at the causes? That's the question. And you and we're turning into Brazil. Especially the case that's especially the case with Valor. Yeah, but you know what it's bone on bone. When you eliminate the middle class, you have the rich and the poor. And that is a mess. And increasingly, that is what is happening in America. Middle class? Are you kidding me? People cannot. People cannot afford. They cannot pull a thousand dollars together. A thousand dollars won't get you into the emergency room, with or without insurance. Because you are sure, you sure are going to get a bill once you get back home. Uh-huh. So you know, I mean, and just uh, that, that whole conversation is being avoided here. Yeah. And then, and then you're making the current mayor. The whipping girl, if you will. I mean, I'm not making excuses for anyone, but I'm like, when I talk to people, 
I mean, I'm like, are you serious? You mean to tell me you won't put crime and the and the solving of it in her lap behind COVID? Yeah, when people yeah. could not get their small businesses to survive, and they're the ones who are going to go to jail, haven't gotten these little loans. Not Amazon. Not the big box stores. I mean, come on. Dr. Stark. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. Um, you know, uh, no one talked about the fact that after uh, Richard Daly, the, the second Richard Daly left, the city was in a total mess. Nobody talked about the fact that Rahm Emanuel, as you stated, closed 50 schools in the city of Chicago and totally crippled the educational process. No one talked about the fact that Vallis started the attack on Chicago schools when he was the head of the school system. He started depopulating the schools and running uh, teachers out uh, and, and principals, as you stated. And, of course... No one talks about the fact that daily, the second daily eliminated the truancy program in the, in the city schools, which says now you can't even track the children who are, uh, are not in school. And there's no way of trying to find out who is and is not and how they can get back in. So Vallis was a part of that whole process. And then he went to Philadelphia and he went to uh, New Orleans, and he helped to privatize many the schools in New Orleans. Come on. This man is not looking at the causes. He's looking at the effects, and that is mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, Kevin Lampy, your response. Well, I think, I think he's absolutely right there. It is, you know, Ballas' solution to the problem is privatized education. There you go. Um, then, and that that's a solution, and that that that's that is that's not a, that that just it's just so frustrating. The the it, we need to address the root problems, like we just said, poverty. We need we need economic opportunity. We need to give people a living wage, as the caller talked about, uh, not just a minimum wage, but a living wage, so they can actually, you know, be a participant in the economy, not always be behind the times and be always stuck behind the eight ball. It is it is time for us to to look at what we can do to, to lift people up and to build that opportunity and create create in these neighborhoods. We talked earlier about a food desert and about the difference these things make in our neighborhood. If those anchor stores are there in, in shopping districts where there's a grocery store that draws people in, then the other small businesses that are around it, they start to thrive. We need a total plan for this, but instead we're getting stuff from Paul Vallis we need more more cops on the streets. We need more more cops, more cops, and, and then more cops. And it's, it's it, it is not a solution to the problem. It is it is strictly a a, a, a uh, an inefficient inefficient bandaid on a problem that needs to be addressed at this root cause, not as a result. Right, mm-hmm. and then you have you have people who protect the police against the the. The citizens, the Chicago uh, Police Department does not solve problem uh, crime in the black community. There's an estimate that came out in uh, two years ago that almost 75 percent of the crimes committed in Chicago black community are not solved. I mean, come on, people. And then the they say the uh, response is 
that black people don't cooperate with the police in pointing out who who are the criminals. So there, you know, it's it's incre- it's incredible that we mm-hmm. are living in this city in this time when we have people like Vallis talking about the police. Put, the solution is putting more police on the street. That is not the solution. Believe me. Well, you know, at, our, at, at the WCPT uh, mayoral forum, you know, there's a tremendous reservoir of goodwill in the black community for all of the wonderful things that Dr. Willie Wilson does for the black community. I mean, meeting us where we are. Many of us don't have enough money to fill up. I mean, to even put a little bit of gas in the car so you can get to work or get your children to school or both. It's just, there's a, there's a lot of need, and he meets those needs. He goes into the churches, he goes into the streets, not the suites, and he meets us where we are. And that's why there's so much love for him in, in the community. But I bumped into a couple of his very, very strong supporters after the after their segment was done. And they were very, very disturbed by his statement that, you know, he wants to hunt down these criminals like rabbits. Now, mind you, the background on Dr. Wilson is that his 20-year-old son was murdered. Yes. And so you look yes. at this person with a broken heart. And his, like other black kids, his murder has not been solved. I'm not making excuses for people, but I think it's important. And, and he then, you know, reached out to Paul Vallis, who lost his son to drug addiction. So, I mean, look, both of these men have had the most horrifying loss that any human being can have. They, they've had to bury children, which completely subverts, you know, yes. the, the human order of things. So I pray for them both for that, because I know that that's something that is front of mind for Mr. Vallis and front of mind for Dr. Wilson. But I expect a little compassion here, because this law and order thing, particularly with the backdrop of Memphis, with all that we are finding out about, I mean, that the people are finding out and putting out there. I mean, because the police aren't revealing much of anything. They're protecting the police still there. Yeah. Right, Mickey, i got a couple of minutes before I go to break. What do you think? Well, I think that um, if, if, if we don't make the right choices this time, I think that in the next four years you'll see a total destruction in the black community, a total strategy to take the black community and transpose it to the south or to the suburbs and to gentrify the whole of the city. And even the, the traditional black communities like Inglewood, like Chatham, uh, like High Park, which was always a mixed community, I think you will see them 60, 70, 80% white or Hispanic. And I think that uh, our days are few. If we don't have a real strategy to uh, political empowerment, I think our days are few in this community, to be honest with you. I don't think that this investment is a accident. I think it's a strategic disinvestment in order to get us out of here. And it's working. And I think you all be surprised with how much once a valid win or once the powers to be is back in charge, I think you would be awestruck with how much the crime goes down. All of a sudden, a lot of the crime is going to disappear. 
mm-hmm. because they are going to uh, prioritize the police department into solving many of the crimes. And they're going to export a lot of the uh, the issues outside of the black community, the solutions to the issues outside the black community. And you're going to see a lot of innocent people arrested under the guise of a crackdown in crime. And so, you know, guilty and innocent people arrested. I think, you know, I think we need to watch out for that because I do see um, if Lori Lightfoot is put out of office and if a Brandon Johnson is not put in or if a Willie Wilson, well, you know, that's a little different because he's aligned himself, you know, with the police. But I see, uh, or Chewie Garcia, I see um, something, uh, I see something very interesting happening. I think the day that Paul Ballas could be elected, you would not see any more crime and people would say, see, he took care of it. The police are in on this too, and it's just shameful. We don't solve any crimes in the black community. It's shameful. It sure does. We'll be back with just with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute. <laughs> This is the Santita Jackson Show. Call us, call us, call us on the Santita Jackson Show. AM 950 Radio up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and something you're dealing with. WCPT in Chicago, but all around the country and all around the world. You know, we have people, the morning stars are from everywhere, and I thank you for gathering. Michael Ann, you were like one of my first morning stars. Sending you much love, my sister. Everybody sending you much, much, much love today. Santita Jackson, WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. We're talking about the Chicago mayoral race. And... um and how the corporate media are shaping the narrative of the race. And they're not asking anyone about any solutions. They're not even asking why crime, why crime has surged. Um, you know, when you have this, this much lack at the bottom, and not just at the bottom, below, below the 1%, 63% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and, and a little more than half of those who make $100,000 a year or more are doing the same. That's really, really, that's promoting social instability, which the director of our national intelligence, Dennis Blair, said more than 10 years ago. He said, we're getting into a very dangerous place. The middle class saves America because it prevents the very poor and the very wealthy from getting into a nasty, nasty fight, having a revolution. Okay, yeah, all of that. So think about that. Think about this narrative that's being shaped about crime and the story that's not being told about it. Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. We're having a very interesting conversation we were hearing. Of course, we have uh, Dwight McKee. I'm, hope, I'm hoping we can get uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson back. But we've got Dwight McKee and Dr. Bob Starks and Kevin Lampy. Kevin Lampy and... Um, and Dr. Starks were having a very interesting interchange 
about the guns and how they're getting in here. Kevin, you said they're coming from someplace outside of Chicago. Where are they coming from? They're coming from Indiana and Wisconsin. The guns are coming from Indiana and Wisconsin. There is an active, um, you know, uh, Facebook pages, internet messages, where where people are connecting, where sellers are being connected to buyers, and buyers who will have a um, uh, a FOIA card, and um, they will be a straw purchaser, and so they're buying the gun, and then they are then giving it to somebody or selling it to somebody who shouldn't have it, and you know this is this is part of the problem, and it's a lucrative business. You know, I asked the person in law enforcement I was talking about, I says, well, what's, what's, what's the profit? Well, they're, they're selling these guns because the person that wants them can't get them through, through legal means. So they're willing to pay a premium, premium price to get their hands on the guns, and the guns are then getting onto our streets, and these guns are being trafficked out of Indiana and Wisconsin, where the gun laws are far more lax than ours. Yeah. Hmm. Again, how can you think that a... 16-year-old can get a gun. Come on. There's no way other than illegally. He can't legally go and buy a gun because Illinois does, you know, does not, would not allow it. Come on. So you're absolutely right. Uh, there is a, an illegal gun trade in Chicago uh, coupled with illegal drugs being dumped. I mean, dumped in large quantities. In Chicago, Chicago has been termed by the FBI and, and anti-drug people as the, uh, the the place where drugs are bought in and then shipped out to many places across the country. And many of those illegal drugs are being dumped in the black community. And the sad part about it is that fentanyl is now becoming very popular and people are, are dying from taking fentanyl, you know. So it's, it's serious. And nobody is looking at that. None, none of the people that are running for mayor are looking at the causes. They're all looking at the effects. Well, I can tell you, having participated in a couple of debates, you know, the corporate media drives what you ask in the debate. And so, you know, when you want to ask other questions, you know, the corporate media will demand that you ask these questions. And that, for me, is very frustrating because it's not what we need. That's not what's on my mind. Don't talk to me about, you know, you don't have a job, therefore. I'm like, no, 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 no. The only people who were, the only entities that were saved during COVID, during lockdown with the big people, big pharma, big box stores, millionaires, all of that. Everybody else fell right through into the abyss. And people ought to be suspicious of it and they ought to be angry about it. And not angry, destructive angry, but angry, angry, constructive angry, constructively so. You need to rebuild America and make America wait what it, what it really ought to be. Isn't that what it was supposed to be? Because the oligarchs got into a fight with the monarchs. And that's, what, that's how we got what we got. And we have to change our mind about what it is that we're having. Let me go to Jim. Jim, what's on your mind today? I'm so glad that you called in. Good morning, Cynthia. Uh, it was encouraging the job numbers blew away uh, the expectations in January. Almost a half a million jobs were created. But the trouble with that, as I think one of your guests said it today, is the living wage. We have to discuss that more and more. What is a living wage in America in, in 2023? A job is one thing, but a living wage is quite another. 
And uh, oh, yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know, you know, I have no answers for it, but we have to start discussing what's the living wage in 2023. Anyway, you guys have a great morning. Thank you. Yeah, you do have an answer. First of all, you ask the right question. Because people are making more money, but it doesn't go as far. This is uh, real wages haven't moved in 50 years, Jim. You're asking the right question. And those are the questions, don't you think, that we should be asking during the debate? Oh, we should have been. We should have been, and we should have been talking about the fact that, you know, when you look at look at the top of the heap here, you know, when, when corporate executives are making vast, larger multiples of what their lowest paid person is making, something is wrong with the system. You know, businesses got incentives and got investment, and then they did, was went out and they, they bought back stock. Instead of investing in these people and investing in research and development, all they're interested in is, is, is creating a number of the Wall Street lights. And that, and they're they're going into probably the biggest gambling hall in the world, the the New York Stock Exchange and the other markets. And so what they're doing is they're not, it's just the greed on the part of a limited amount of corporate executives who are more concerned about the stock price than the product they're actually producing or the service they're providing. Hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Dr. Starbucks, were you about to say something? Yeah, Cindy, the measure of poverty is also a, a real problem. The measure of poverty uh, for a family of four, or even an you know a, a a woman who is you know has no father in the house and two or three children, that measure is too low. We have to move that up to a you know a higher figure because again that's not a living wage so many of the people who are poor are not are not eligible for federal and state uh benefits because the measure of poverty is so low so you're right and this of course is a part of what i call economic and social disinvestment as opposed to simply uh, you know, economic uh, disinvestment. We're talking about, as you stated earlier, uh, people who have no stores in their community, uh, no decent schools in their community, uh, no decent police uh, safety in their community. So we have to talk about all of those methods and all of those kinds of disinvestment and talk about, as you stated, uh living wage as opposed to simply uh, saying, you know, poverty is defined as this. And believe me, poverty is different in Chicago than it is in New York and different mm-hmm. in, in Detroit and, and so forth. Am I correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me go to Renee. Renee, thank you for hanging in there and calling us back. What's on your mind today? Well, thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, when I think about where the guns are coming from, I think about the gym shoes thing, where they left the gym shoes and let little black kids come and steal them. And that makes me think about the train cars, because the police and the people from the train company were in cahoots with that gym shoes thing. What about all the unguarded train loads of guns that are unsupervised and somehow... Some of the people in gangs just happen to be 
aware of when these uh, cars will be sitting there so they can pick up guns. I think about people, students who have told me about uh, boxes of guns being dropped off in the alley. I think about the, um, the Boston CPS teacher, first-year teacher, who Eddie Johnson and the police, they watched for 10 months as he sold guns and drugs to elementary school students. They didn't have a lot of money, so I guess he gave them guns. Or maybe they made a profit off the drugs he gave, and then they gave that money to them. I don't know. There was also a teacher in Inglewood, first teacher, did the same thing, was selling drugs and guns to elementary school students. And then when I think about the crime in Chicago, besides them giving all these guns away, even military-style weapons, how do gangs get their hands on that stuff that should be securely guarded? But then I think about the police being complicit in the crime because I know you remember when we were having a riot after the George Floyd murder, and there were policemen who decided to lounge around in Congressman Bobby Rush's office instead of being out there trying to prevent crime. Then there was a policeman who stood around downtown as some crime was taking place during the summer. So if you let things get really bad, then you can endorse the candidate of your choice who campaigns on the promise of getting rid of crime. They're trying to get rid of us. (laughs) And they've been trying to do that for a while. And it's working. You know what? And I think we also have to be mindful Renee and Dr. Starks and Dr. Wilson is back, Uh, Reverend Wilson is back, and Dwight McKee and Kevin Lampy. The police cooperate with some candidates and mayors, for example, Uh and then they turn their backs on others. Look at what happened to Bill de Blasio in New York. Tries Institute just stands with a family (laughs) who had been killed by the police. The police turned on him so viciously, and mind you, the police protected protect his wife and his children right. and his home, okay? We just keep it 100. It's, it's scary. It's scary, Santita. And then, you know, when I think about uh, development, I live in North Lawndale. I've been here for so many decades, more than half a century, right? So I've seen how they took away services from our community. Then I've seen how starting at the end of Daly's term and into Emmanuel's term, like they had a magic wand when I would drive east from where I live, down Ogden, going towards Canal. Things just miraculously started to spring up as soon as other people started moving into those areas. And I know Anita was saying, how can people afford some of these new things? Well, they also have a price that's not listed for the general public. They give discounts and stuff to people to occupy these places that they're building. Building some of these properties that sprung up are on what was once KHA land. So that's another way they've gotten rid of us. They've replaced us with other populations, and they've given them discounts to move into stuff. And with our TIF money, because a lot of people live downtown, we're not here during the period when we were paying taxes all that time, but they used TIF dollars and gave good deals for developers to develop, you know, all that land downtown as they tore up, you know, our stuff. Mm-hmm. 
No, no, thank you for calling in, Renee. You're always so compelling online. I want people to hear your voice. And, and you know, when you get on, you just start, you know, things come to mind. I think people need to hear your voice. Let me go to your pearls. Your pearl, what's on your mind today? Hey, Santita, I had to call back. I was listening to the conversation. And uh, Reverend Wilson uh, basically stated and hit it on the head, head, nail on the head, when she talked about the FOP actually controlling the rank and file. So basically what we're seeing in Chicago is that the mayor really doesn't run the city. The FOP does. So we see that the crime is actually concentrated in five or six neighborhoods. We have Inglewood, Roseland. Uh, we have um, Austin, Lawndale, and Humble Park. Those are the most, uh, you know, crime-ridden areas. And they're the same blocks. If you look at the data, it's really like the same three or four blocks in each of those neighborhoods that we see that this uh, problem is occurring. And so when I think about how can we solve this, if they wanted to solve it, they could. Because it's not over there in Beverly that they're uh, shooting and you can't walk uh, around the corner and you're getting shot. It's right over here in these five or six major neighborhoods that they're actually uh, allowing the uh the uh, crime to occur. So for me, this is a will issue. Will the uh, will the FOP allow their rank and file to actually deter crime in Chicago? Right now, they're they're basically collecting checks and not doing anything. When we think about the uh, the murder clearance rate, it's abysmal. We have the lowest murder clearance rate in the country. It is terrible. And when you when you peel back the numbers even further, and you think about it by race. It's even more if you're black or brown. We have so many unsolved murders for black and brown people and uh, the numbers. And then you have the mayor who came out the other day to say the crime is low, is, is lower in Chicago. I'm like, well, what calculation are you looking at, Mayor Lightfoot? I know this is, is this is this is false information, and what they're doing is they have stopped calculating the crime. And so I I actually. Um, uh, go to other websites that actually give you the truth about what the crime is, and, and it's the same neighborhood. So this is a, a strategic effort by the FOP to, to you know, to, to muddy up the mayor. But doesn't matter who it gets in office, if they don't play ball with the FOP, we're going to be doomed. That's my comment. Well, Dwight, what's your thought about that? That sounds, you know, that's hewing very closely to what you were saying about pushing blacks out of the city. You know, and my mother often says, you know, well, when 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 you get en- when you get enough white people in this neighborhood, the crime will suddenly go down. And it's not because white people are less violent than anybody else; they have more protection. They get more economic breaks. I mean, that's, that's just how the society has been structured. We don't rescue Africa and Yemen and Asia. No, 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 no. We go, we go to Europe quickly. And that becomes a world war, even though it's a regional conflict. Dwight? Well, all you have to do is look at what happened to those four students out west. They put the FBI, they, they put about 200... Um, law enforcement officials on that case and they were determined to solve that case and they did because it was important and it was priority to them uh they don't have 200 police officers in chicago 
solving 400 murders. Because it's not a priority. It's more a priority for the police department to give you a parking ticket than to solve a murder. <laughs> and that's very intentional because they just, it's not a priority for them. And it works better for them when crime goes up because it creates a certain alarm uh, that they're trying to create that alarm so that the, 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 the Paul Vallises can become more of an attractive candidate uh, because they know if he gets elected or when he gets elected, then all of the uh, obligations they have to reform is going right out the window, and he will make all these concessions to the police union, who was his primary funder and endorser. So it's all very strategic. It all works, you know, in behalf of of these communities who are seeking to get the land back and to get us off these these valuable pieces of land so that they can bring the developers over to uh, gentrify, as the sister said, Using our tip dollars, giving the developers a tax break, and giving a tacit break to the uh, suburbanites who move back in and regentrify, is all very strategically done. Mm. Uh, Dr. Starks, your thoughts? Well, uh, first of all, I just want to. Uh, thank the caller for stating uh, the fact that, you know, and reinforcing the idea that they're dumping drugs and guns in our community. I cannot tell you how many times in my classroom at Northeastern Illinois University, how many times students have said, I have seen, and they have said this, I've seen the dumping of guns. I've uh, seen those places where the trains stop and the doors are open and guns are there. I have students who swear that they have seen police dump guns in the alley. They also have told me that uh, they have seen people dumping drugs in the community. So that's very real. But I also want to take it back. Hold on. Remember Gary Webb reported that from the San Jose Mercury News. And then he, a right-handed man killed himself, shot himself in the left temple. But I digress. <laughs> yes, no, you're absolutely right. I, I agree, I agree. And, of course, uh, the, the last uh, speaker was right on the money in terms of how the whole issue of gentrification, which is something we don't really look at very often, and and we should look at it much better. If you look, for instance, at what's happening on the so-called near west side, i.e. that corridor along Washington, along Madison, going into Garfield Park, that, that whole area is being gentrified at a tremendous rate. And nobody is looking at that. <laughs> and, of course, the last thing, on the TIF money. Remember, Richard Daly used TIF money, which came out of black communities, our tax money, to re to gentrify downtown Chicago. 
the building of the the bubble and and all that stuff down that came from TIF money, okay, which came out of our community. Nobody said anything about that, <clears throat> but that you is look at, real. You, you look at the you look at the funding for the red line expansion. There you, you go. Know, <laughs> there you go. And it's, instead, they they did instead of doing the citywide just for that, they only did it for the wards for wards on the south side. And it's just not fair. All you have Everybody to do is have skin in the all, game. You have, all you have to do is look at what Pat uh, Dowell is saying. She's most upset <clears throat> because the TIF money is coming out of her ward <clears throat> to build. Hold on, because you know I have to I have to make a hard out. But you know what, everybody, stay here on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and the Santita Jackson Friends page. Going to wrap this conversation up on the other side of the break. But uh, Kevin Lampley, Dwight McKee, Dr. Bob Starks, and Reverend Jeanette Wilson have been giving you the real deal. Excuse me. That are before us. These are the issues that are before us, everybody. And these are the questions that need to be raised. Instead of just giving some pat answer or asking some pat question about crime, that is, how many black people and brown people are you going to lock up? Because you know they're the ones who are misbehaving here. Uh, I didn't see us shooting up anybody at a Fourth of July parade. I mean, are you serious right now? Look at the roots of this. The fruits of this you're seeing, we're feeling. When you deny this many people self-actualization and opportunity and education and health care, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, this is what happens. It's not fair. It's not right. I'll be with you tomorrow. But right now, go over to the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and go over to Santita Jackson and Friends so you can hear these brilliant minds uh, give you something to think about. And, of course, at Rainbow, the Rainbow Push NBC Mayoral Forum is on Saturday at the New Beginnings Church, 66th and Cottage Grove, everybody. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. Pastor Corey Brooks is our host. I love you, everybody. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the Santita Jackson Show.